Hey, this is Lori from Hike, sharing stories that inspire us to explore, wander, and live. So a quick announcement. Next week, I will be giving away a few hike-related things in celebration of my 50th episode and the end of season one of Hike. So if you're not already following me on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook, get out there, follow along, so you have a chance to win some hike swag. You can find me at The Hike Podcast, and I'm really looking forward to celebrating the end of season one with all of you. All right, so as I'm recording this intro, we just received in Michigan over eight inches of snow where I live. So it is truly a winter wonderland. So I got to ask all of you, do you put away your hiking boots and hiking gear once winter hits? Or are you like me, who's busting out the snowshoes and putting my winter boots on and getting out there to play? Well, my next guest is like me as well. But then again, Living in Minnesota sort of means you have to enjoy the winter, or else you're going to be pretty miserable. So my guest Jen, you may also know her as Wandering Pine, is one of those fellow hikers that you can just sit with and grab a cup of coffee or hot tea or whatever your beverage is and chat with for hours. She's so welcoming and She has that personality, that warmth, that just draws you in. And you can tell, she's a lot of fun to go hiking with. In this episode, we talk about a lot of things. We talk about getting into hiking a little later in life. How she volunteers with the Boy Scout. And we understand what role that played in getting her outside more. We talk about grief. We talk about when things don't go exactly as planned and the fulfillment that comes with sometimes just rolling with the changes. So Jen tells me about her attempted through hike of the Superior Hiking Trail and how it turned into this long, amazing section hike that brought together many women in the outdoors. So whether you're commuting, you're out in nature, whether you're sitting at home and trying to stay cozy with your favorite drink, I promise after this episode, you might just be planning your own trip to Minnesota to hike the Superior Hiking Trail and to have a fun group hike with Jen. So take a listen. So how are you tonight? I'm doing good. I just took a little sip of tea. I'm doing good. It's yeah. a little bit of a rainy day in Minnesota. Uh, are you in Michigan? Yes, I'm in Michigan. It's rainy How's here your too. Weather? Yeah, yeah, it's been rainy all day. At least we're not in Montana. What's, is it snowstorm? 
what's what's going on yeah i think they got like 40 inches of snow in the colorado rockies or in the i'm sorry the canadian rockies i bet it's beautiful um, though (laughs) i know i just saw a picture of a hostel i stayed at outside of glacier national park and they said close for the season and it's buried in snow from like today (laughs) i heard it's uh also like uh snowing up in like the PCT and stuff. So, oh my year, gosh, yeah, those poor hikers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, I mean, I'm all for it. I say yes to snow, bring it, but I don't wish that on anybody who's trying to finish the trail. <laughs> no, I know. Yeah. Yikes! They're probably not prepared for that. <laughs> no, it's it's not even October yet. No, no, in Minnesota, well, it's probably the same in Michigan, like. We still talk about the Halloween blizzard of 1993. That was this epic, unusual snowstorm hmm. on Halloween. I'm trying to remember if we had something like that. I don't know. I, I mean, it hasn't snowed on Halloween in so long here. I mean, it used to <laughs> snow on Thanksgiving, and we don't even get snow on Thanksgiving anymore, it seems like. Yeah. Well, I have this, just for funsies, I have this snow prediction method that my great great aunt taught me and yes and it's fairly accurate and I think she probably got it from the farmer's almanac but we call it great Aunt Myrtle's snow prediction and basically you wait until the first we call it the a super fog this is not very scientific but we wait until a very very foggy morning usually in the fall like when it's really foggy right Uh and you write down that day and then you count 100 days out and that is usually your first significant snowfall. So Christmas is our first predicted snowfall, measurable snowfall in Minnesota, uh-huh. according to Great Aunt Myrtle's. Okay, so uh, snow- we're going to have to <laughs> check back on the 25th or 26th yeah. to see if it really if yes. it really happened. <laughs> yeah, and usually I try to give like a 24 to 48 hour yeah. window, you know, oh, yeah. just in yeah. case. Yeah, like but, uh, 48, 72 hours, somewhere around there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we had fog yesterday, and I've tried to predict a second day, and it never works. It's usually like the first day. So I don't know. We'll see. I would be down with snow on Christmas. Me too. That's usually about the only time everyone really loves it. <laughs> That's when you want it. Yeah, white Christmas. Yeah, everybody likes that. Well, the people who don't. I always sort of joke like, well, maybe you should live somewhere else. That might sound callous, but (laughs) I know (laughs) it's Minnesota. Just get over it. (laughs) Go to Florida, go somewhere else, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Well, I hated winter for at least 20 years, so I understand. Yeah. Now I love it. I think it does that to you. Yeah. You're right. Finally, all those people who told me to embrace it and I rolled my eyes for two decades I finally believed them and I embraced it so, <laughs> and it worked. Now, are you from Minnesota originally? No, I'm from Southern California. Oh, no wonder. I was born and raised there. Yeah, I moved here as a teenager <laughs> against my will and I hated it for 20 years. Okay, because I was going to ask, I mean, yeah, because that makes sense now that if you're yeah. from SoCal that you would hate. What, what did your parents do to bring you to Minnesota? No. Oh. Well, my stepdad was in the Navy. And okay. he was being transferred again and again. And, you know, and he had relatives from northern Minnesota. 
and my family went on vacation and they found this deal on a house they just couldn't turn down. It was like 40 acres of land and this giant farmhouse. And my mom was like, great, we can go back and live on the land. And it was, all, at the, in the end, it was a good idea. Mm-hmm. But at the time, it was a horrible idea for, for us. My stepdad stayed in the Navy and um, we all lived in northern Minnesota with a giant house with a wood stove and tried to stay alive as three Southern California girls, my sister, mother, and I. (laughs) And we got really cold a few times. So did your sister stay um, also in Minnesota? Yeah. Yeah. Well, actually, they live across the border in Wisconsin now, but I still consider them Minnesotans. So they didn't go that far. (laughs) No. (laughs) Okay. So that kind of leads me into the whole like starting out and, you know, what got you into hiking so we can yeah go back so I'm here with Jen and Jen uh, tell me a little bit about yourself and what got you into hiking have you always been a hiker I have not always been a hiker so a little bit about me I well I got into the outdoors really just out of a need for volunteers in my son's Boy Scout troop. I was a parent that used to drive them and kind of drop them off and hang out in the back of the room. And some of the leaders had asked if I would volunteer and started inviting me and kind of bugging me about joining them on weekend campouts and that kind of thing. So, um, yeah, so I had been asked to volunteer and I felt totally unqualified to do something like that. And I said, yes. And I took some training and I kind of threw myself into it. I originally did it just to kind of help out for my kids. And then as I started doing things with the troop, I found my own love for the outdoors. So how old were they? How old um, was the age group? Our kids? Mm -hmm. Uh, So um, the kids that I was volunteering with were all 11 to 18 years old and my own kids were yeah and they're all boys and I was 40 so I was 40 years old and I was not a hiker my family maybe went car camping once a year and it was definitely glamping like we used to just load the car up so we couldn't even see out the windows (laughs) and (laughs) just do that like once a year and so you had real pillows with you right yes and like (laughs) giant six-person tent and so being asked to be a leader, I, I was asked to be an assistant scoutmaster, and I felt just totally unqualified to do something like that. But out of interest in helping with my own kids and then taking some training, and I just developed this this desire to be outside. And I went beyond. I took all the training that the BSA had to offer because, of course, I felt unqualified and felt like I needed to qualify myself. And uh, then I took classes at REI in a place called Midwest Mountaineering, and I read a book, and I tried to, I just sort of threw myself into, maybe now that I look back on it, just trying to justify Mm -hmm. this role that I was put in and make sure that I wasn't going to lead anybody uh, uh, into danger. So what kind of classes were you taking? Were you taking like um, navigation and, you know, first first aid and wilderness safety? What what were you doing? Yes, yes, and yes. So yes, I took, I took wilderness remote first aid, became certified 
um, through the Red Cross and the American Heart Association. And I took an intro to, gosh, I remember taking an intro to like packing class, you know, someone just showing like what kind of gear you bring when you're backpacking or hiking and just anything I could really get my hands on. Uh, that was free, mostly things that were free. Um, but in my community, I would sign up for and I, I read books, I joined Facebook forums and just tried to learn as much as I could. And I should also say that what really kind of got me, I think what really motivated me to gather all of that information is that shortly after I agreed to be an assistant scoutmaster, I also agreed to lead a high adventure backpacking trip in Glacier National what? Park. Well, you, you just <laughs> yeah. you really jumped into it because you well, went all I out. I had zero qualifications to do something like that, but honestly, there were the kids, a group of older scouts really wanted to go break off on a 3-day trek uh during our scout troops um larger there's a bunch of us 25 of us that went out there and, and stayed at uh, like base camped and there was a group of older scouts my son wasn't even in that group but there was a group of older scouts that really wanted to go backpacking and none of the adults stepped forward and the adults had so many excuses and the adults and they happened to all be men um talked about all the dangers or how they couldn't and it was uh they were scared yeah <laughs> And so I kind of stuck my neck out and said, I'll do it. So (laughs) which I had never been backpacking before in my whole life. Wow. So, so you took this group of boys out to Glacier and how did it, how did it go? (laughs) It went great. It went great. I roped a couple of other adults in, of course, because it can't just be me and uh, found a couple other adults and we, I made a training hike plan. I became wilderness wilderness first aid trained i read a, a book about glacier national park which now that i look back on it that probably wasn't the best way to prep for a backpacking trip <laughs> i probably should have read a book about backpacking <laughs> but i read a book about you know the trail we picked a trail that wasn't like ridiculously difficult but it is all pretty it is pretty funny when i look back on it now my backpack weighed almost 45 pounds for a three-day trip. Wow. You, what what all did you pack? I don't even know. Like now, I remember I bought this brand new backpacking, this ultralight backpacking tent that I thought was so light and it weighed six pounds. And now oh, wow. Yeah. I, no, I, sleep in a, I sleep in a tarp and a bivy that weigh about a pound now. So when I look at my original backpack and I packed totally out of fear. I packed things like, what if a kid forgot their jacket? Well, I need an extra one just in case. I, the mom, the mom kicked into high gear and I packed a lot of stuff that I didn't need, which I think as a leader, I also have, I have led other treks since then. And I do think as a leader, you need to be prepared to have what you need to care for your group if something goes wrong, but I totally overpacked. But you still, I mean, even with the 45 pound pack and having, you know, no backpacking experience, it sounded like you had a good time and that the boys had a good time. We all had a great time. Yeah, it was, it was 
one of my favorite all-time favorite trips just because I was constantly just surprised at how well we were all doing with it <laughs> that makes sense just cautiously optimistic and every time we would go up switchbacks and we would be on a mountaintop or overlooking a valley and and then we would see snow and then we got caught in a lightning storm on the side of a mountain and had to run for our lives and it was this adventurous it was like no experience I'd ever had before and so even though it was type two fun it was so exhilarating so did you think uh I guess first what did your family like other than you know your son or sons that were in the boy scouts um were was your husband supportive was he surprised was was this kind of you know your sister your mom was everyone kind of just like oh wow she's taken up backpacking and hiking yeah well I don't think they knew that I had really taken it up at this point you know I think they just saw like oh you know Jen's just helping out yeah and so that was really the tone and and we did have a lot it was a 10-day trip in total and three days we just broke off and did a backpacking experience and then came back to meet the rest of the group at the main camp so I was there with my youngest son was too young to go on that trip, but I was there with my oldest son and my husband and younger one were at home. And so I don't think anybody had any concerns about me, you know, going feral at the time or being like wild and going out and becoming this like backpacking person. But, you know, one thing I did experience from both a couple of men and women that I don't talk about a lot is a little bit of discouragement to um because of my gender really yeah yeah like oh well you don't want to go out there because of bears you know bears and women you know what happened i don't think bears care if you're a man or a woman i'm just telling you i know a couple of people questioned um either because um you know of my monthly cycle oh okay danger yeah i've heard of that Uh, i've heard that one yeah guys a couple of guys brought that one up and then a woman I know just kind of questioned why a woman was leading a whole bunch of boys out into the mountains. And I just matter of factly said, well, if you can find a guy that wants to do it, more power to him. But no one did. Yeah, None of no those guys stepped forward. So I thought it was interesting that people were challenging me for saying yes and learning and making myself be a qualified leader, but then still challenging why I would do that. And maybe there's somebody better. Did those doubts, did they kind of seep in? I mean, were they affecting you, you know, other people doubting you or questioning you? How, how did you handle that? You know, I, I think they did creep in a couple of times. And I would say on every trip I've ever been on, since then, you know, usually a couple of days before you sort of have this feeling like, what am I doing? This is crazy. But um, I think on that particular trip, knowing that I was doing something that these scouts really wanted to do, and I was helping um, make that happen for them, help me get over my fears. Like, I don't even feel like that was a trip necessarily for myself. I felt like I was just doing this thing to, to make this other thing happen and that it all worked out. So it was maybe a little easier on that trip because I didn't really have to wrestle with my own, my own self doubts, I guess. Mm -hmm. 
And we, we did a shakedown before our trip and a practice run and kind of everything went wrong on that trip, our one overnight. And so I felt like so many things had gone wrong on our little practice trip that it would all go perfectly by the time we got on the real trail. And it did. That's a good way to think about it. (laughs) So you weren't thinking like, well, this is a sign it's going wrong. That means no need to stop. I just thought it can't get any worse than this. (laughs) Well, that's a good way to look at it too. So, so you (laughs) kind of, that's what got you kicked in to really enjoying the outdoors and hiking. Yeah. And then where did you take it from there? So, you know, my first, my first year at summer camp, I should add first year at summer camp, I had, that was really what kicked into kick things into gear for me was um, at Boy Scout camp, you know, being able to, to do all the things that the scouts do. I was the adult that did everything they did. And so they gave me the nickname Super Jen. And uh, most, most scout troops, the adults are referred to as Mrs. or Mr. This or that. And I was referred to as Super Jen. And I just felt like that gave me a license to just try everything and be in a space of learning and play and enjoyment. And I think that set the foundation for um, just wanting to just keep adding on. It really was this vehicle. I, I really was working with kids a lot. But becoming a hiking merit badge counselor, becoming a kayaking merit badge counselor, becoming a snow sports merit badge counselor. Like these were all sports that I had no history doing. I found them fun to do and a group that wanted to do them with me. So I just kept adding outdoor activities into my um into my list of things that I like to do with the scouts. And that that led to me wanting to do them outside of scouts. Well, I guess that was, yeah. if that was the question you asked. No, I it finally... sounds like that, um, that maybe if you didn't have that avenue that opened the door for you, you may not have tried it outside of, you know, the scouts, right? I mean, it was kind of like this step forward and allowed you, yeah. Absolutely. I, if I, I think about that sometimes and had I not been invited and had I not said yes, and then had this light bulb just sort of not like gone on. And I, I was just given so many opportunities, maybe, and maybe I took more opportunities than adults usually do. In fact, I know I did, you know, I, I would ask, well, Hey, can I shoot that rifle? Hey, can I go climb the climbing wall? Hey, is it okay if adults go do that? You know, when we were at um, summer camp. And so part of it was sort of unlocking maybe a piece of my childhood as well and feeling this reward of and, and welcome invitation to being able to play and learn new things. But then I started to realize, hey, I know what I'm doing. This is actually... Uh, I planned a kayaking overnight trip with my sister because I knew I knew that I, as a kayaking merit badge instructor, I knew I knew about kayaking safety. Um, and then I think what really what really gave me the confidence and really started getting me thinking about the superior hiking trail was becoming a hiking merit badge instructor counselor, going on long hikes, and then signing up to do a fundraising hike 26 and a half miles on a really tough section of the superior hiking trail in northern minnesota 
to raise money for children's cancer research, the Cure Search Foundation. It's a hike called the Ultimate Hike, and they have first aid stations and a training program. I had a coach and a community and a group of people. We all hiked on the weekends together, and I started to enjoy hiking outside of the scout the scouting experience uh, and so that was your transition dream about hiking a long distance yeah I think that that was having support from an other adults and working towards this goal on this trail that just seemed like so rugged and just like this huge goal and can I even do something like that and you know having people that rallied behind me and having a a cause you know I think as a mom I should say that it I don't speak for all moms but I would say like as a mom especially when your kids are little it's hard to justify doing things for yourself that benefit you without benefiting your family. And so scouting was something that I was doing that was benefiting my family in my mind. And this experience, of course, it was benefiting an organization that was raising money for children's cancer research. But in the process, I started to get to know people who had common interests as me. And it really started to to give me something uh, that I could appreciate for myself, if that makes sense. No, it totally makes sense. So, you know, thinking about, well, it, it sounds like you, you loved all these things. You wanted to do all these things, but you also felt kind of maybe a little piece of you that you had to have a reason to do them, you know, that was okay, justified, like you said, you know, the, that you're, you know, is benefiting your sons or, you know, so it was, so when did you take that step to say, I want to try this, you know, to do something else, you know, for me as well? Yeah. So I, I can't remember the exact moment, but I started hiking with friends. So I finished 26 and a half miles on the Superior Hiking Trail in one day. And that was a big, a big thing that I never imagined I could do. And then I started hanging out with some of the people that I had trained with and hiked with. And not too long after that, I had heard about this group called Women Who Hike. And a friend of mine had set up a little meetup. It was really small in Minnesota at the time with just a couple of people. It wasn't official or anything. And I had started to connect with some other women that liked hiking. And through that, the group grew, became more established. And they didn't really have an ambassador or a leader for the state yet. But I started to connect with other people and realized that well, these are my people, you know, these are people who, who like doing the same thing I like to do. And I don't need to try to wrangle uh, my scout troop, you know, they don't always want to go on a 10 mile hike. <laughs> In fact, they rarely ever want to do that. But you know, unless there's a merit badge involved. Like super Jen, um, can but you please stop. To... We just... <laughs> yeah, yeah, I have heard those words. <laughs> super Jen, can we... <laughs> or... I, you know, sometimes they'll complain that I have more energy than them, which I swiftly turn around and I say, look, you know, at the time I'm 45 years old, like there's no reason I should have more energy than you. (laughs) So come on. Um, But anyway, uh, yeah, I started to connect with some really great women. I would say this was maybe 
mm, two, two years ago or so. Okay. And uh, meet with them on weekends and just get together with them and and spend time on the trail. So that started opening your eyes to new hikes and new opportunities and you know meeting other people, like you said. So you you were also thinking about going back to the Superior Hiking Trail. So for the listeners, can you describe first, you know, what what's the Superior Hiking Trail? And I mean, assuming it's by Lake Superior, right? Yes. So it does not go all along the shore, but pretty close. It, it starts at the northern terminus, which is the Canadian border of Minnesota, and it does follow pretty closely along the line of Lake Superior all the way down past uh, south of Duluth uh, to Wisconsin. And so it's also part of the North Country Trail, and it is 310 miles long. And despite what you may think about Minnesota and it being flat terrain, it is some of the hilliest and roughest terrain you'll find in the state of Minnesota. The trail is really well marked but it also is full of rocks and roots and elevation and hills and beautiful views of Lake Superior. And um, uh, my first experience was, as I said, hiking this long 26-mile day. Uh, But by becoming friends with a bunch of women and starting to allow myself to do something that I love to just for myself, you know, outside of scouting, outside of fundraising, just hanging out with people, I started to really build confidence and just a love of hiking. And so I'm also a bike commuter and I'm fairly new at that. But within the last three years, I started riding my bike and it's about 10 miles each way to work. And so I have a lot of time to think while I'm riding my bike and that's really where the dream of hiking in the superior hiking trail came to be for a month for an hour to work and an hour home roughly I just my brain could not stop thinking about what it would be like to do something like that and I had a couple more backpacking trips under my belt after that first glacier trip and just started to dream what would it be like to hike to through hike 310 miles, what would it be like to walk from Canada to Wisconsin? What would it be like to be gone for three weeks? <laughs> you know, what would it be like? You know, just all these questions, but I couldn't stop thinking about it. And I loved having a dream and I loved thinking about what what I could do to get myself ready for something like that. So how long did it take for you to to really make that a reality to say okay you know keep thinking about it like you said during that your commute back and forth that was your time so when did you make that decision that you said I'm, I'm no I'm really gonna hike this I think it took about a month and then I didn't even totally I, I it took me about a month to really say the words out loud and I went right to a friend of mine who had hiked the whole thing And I said, I don't know what to do. I think I want to hike the Superior Hiking Trail. I think I laugh at this now. But I said to him, I think I want to do it when I retire. (laughs) (laughs) I'm really far away from retirement. What did he say? (laughs) He's like, "Uh," you know, (laughs) 
and he wrote us in an email and he's just like i don't know why you would wait till you retire and then i said well can we talk i need to talk to you because i think this is crazy and i don't know if i can do it and so i asked him if if we could talk and i said i was 45 years old at the time and i said okay i want to do it when i'm 47 because that's the age my dad was when he died and I'm kind of freaked out about turning 47. And I want to do something really big when I'm 47 that makes me feel alive. Which is sort of this like, that's probably the definition of a midlife crisis. I'm not sure. But I just sort of like, <laughs> that's how I, that's exactly like how I said it to him. And he just looked at me and he said, I don't even know why you would wait. I was 45 at the time. He's like, I don't know why you would wait. Just do it next summer. Just do it next year. Do it when you're 46. Don't wait. You never know what's going to happen in life. And I think you should just, you're ready. Just do it. So I was like, okay. You know, I just started to think about like, how would I do this? And and you wanted to do it with me. like a through hike, like you were going to do it. A through hike. Three weeks. 310 miles over a little less than three weeks. Okay. And I wanted, I decided to do it when I was 46 instead of 47. And so, and that's a really important piece of my story, considering how it all ended. I had thought about how I would do this, whether I would do it alone, whether I would, my original plan was to try to find three friends. I'm like, if I can find three friends that'll hike a week with me, we can make this happen. I hate hiking alone. I just knew I wouldn't enjoy that. And my sister said, I'll do the whole thing with you. And she had never been backpacking before. And I thought, oh, boy, we can train together. We can get this whole thing locked down. You know, we got a year. And so that was the plan. So my sister and I, uh, actually, our mom drove us way out in the middle of nowhere to the northern terminus. It's about a 45-minute hour-long drive on a dirt road. And our mom literally dropped us off and said goodbye in the middle of nowhere. (laughs) And we started hiking south. Wow. So, and you said your sister had no other backpacking experience. No, we did a shakedown before we started on this trip just to make sure. But uh, she worked really hard. She trained and she also made her own backpack and had a similar pack weight. And we both felt totally ready for uh, to be on the trail for about three weeks was our plan so how did it go like you started out and and what was the first you know couple days like it's funny because I've had some time to reflect on it and I think the first day and the last day were the toughest and the first day within the first two miles keep in mind we we literally kind of are in the middle of nowhere there's no humans and we are way out there there and within the first two miles I tripped on a root and landed on my face Uh. and I it was maybe a mile in and I I remember laying there still with my face still on the ground thinking is this how it ends one mile into 310 I'm gonna trip and fall and uh, I, I ended up being okay but right away I just I had this fall and then maybe another mile down the road at a bridge we had heard about there was a hornet's nest and we were on the bridge and I said to my sister, do you think this is the bridge with the hornets that was in the guidebook? And the swarm of hornets came out and stung her and we ran 
You mean I it was like, even in the guidebook? Like it's it was in the known. Yeah, or on the it was on the 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 page for trail yeah. conditions. You know, like watch out. And we were we didn't realize that was the bridge. There's no sign saying this is the bridge with the hornets. You know, so, <laughs> watch out for those pesky hornets. Right. Oh, so wow. we ran, and then I remember, you know, she recovered, and we thought she was okay, and we started. This is still day one. We're climbing couple miles um we we started to uh, go up to the highest point on the superior hiking trail there's this really big climb and it's been clear cut there are no trees and you can see stumps it's kind of an odd um perspective and I remember that being the only time I was really ever afraid on my whole trip and I remember us climbing it was getting hot middle of the day and we were climbing this big uh hill I guess you would call it, it was a mountain to us. And I remember looking out to the West, just stopping to catch my breath, take a drink of water. And I looked out in this clear, vast view out to the West. There were no trees and I was up high and I just saw the wilderness of the Boundary Waters canoe area. And that's what you're looking at when you're up there in Canada. And I remember having this kind of sobering thought like, don't go that way. That's where people get lost. <laughs> and just thinking, stay to the left. Lake Superior's on the left. Do not go that way. You'll end up on the news. And I just remember stopping thinking, like, we're really out here. Yeah. And then we just kept hiking. And, um, you know, we, we pressed on. And we had a couple other challenges our first day drinking water out of a beaver pond, which I guess you're not supposed to do. We filtered it, but just doing kind of these things that were kind of first day, I guess, mistakes. And, um, and then, you know, then I think uh, the second day I had blisters on huge blisters on the bottoms of both of my feet. My toenails were already messed up. Like I look back now and I just think, what did I do wrong? Like I haven't had a blister in almost, I don't know, almost 500 miles of hiking since then, but everything, my feet were messed up. We just had a tough first day and second day started to get a little better, but the first day was a little bumpy, but we were so full of energy and excited. We kind of didn't care, which was also probably part of our problem because we just pushed really hard because we were so excited to be there. We kept going uh, according to our plan and we did have a, a fairly strict plan we wanted to make sure that we finished by a certain time so we had campsites we were shooting to get to each day and and uh you know oh also on our first day we almost got run over by a moose I forgot to say that we just heard this like crashing in the woods and the ground shook and it was totally a moose so day one was a little bit uh a little bit intense but day two, you know, we hiked and, and things started to get a little better. Day three was a little rougher. We started to, to really start to feel. How many miles think, were you doing about uh, each day? We, I think we did 16 miles our first day. And then we were, we were shooting for about 15 mile days. And then we were planning on bumping up to 20 mile days. And our first 20 mile day was our sixth our sixth day on the trail which ended up being our last day on the trail 
And how did that become your last day? What happened? So my sister had, so that hornet sting that happened on what, like mile two had started to really act up and it became more than a hornet sting. So her ankle swelled up. She had welts all over. It had started to really, um, it started to get a lot worse. And so her ankle mobility, just some other things, she wasn't eating very well. She just wasn't feeling great. And you know, she still she still wanted to to press on and to keep doing the miles that we were doing. But I would say by day six, she didn't eat breakfast. She wasn't feeling very well. And after about mm, seven or eight miles, we stopped at a campsite and she took a nap just uh, just to recuperate because she was feeling so bad. So did you and that come day, to that realization? Was it, I mean, you kind of saying, okay, yeah, we need to stop. She mm-hmm. really needs to go. Yeah, I, I wanted to make sure that she, well, you know, that she got the rest that she needed. And it was no big deal to me. At that point, I started to actually feel a little better. So I was starting to get my hiking legs. I didn't know I had heard people say this before, but I didn't know when that happened. And, and that's when it started to happen for me, I was feeling better by day six. And so I just thought, yeah, we'll just chill out here as long as we need to. And, and I just, you know, found things to do while she was resting. And then she woke up and we ended up hiking all the way to Temperance River. So that's a 20 mile hike. So we hiked from roughly uh, mileage is approximate on the Superior Hiking Trail. It's so hard to, to estimate it accurately. But that was at least an 18 to 20 mile day. And it's over the Sawtooths, which are six mountains that go through that section. So that was a long day and a hard day. And we made it to Temperance River right around dinner time. And I just remember saying, we had planned on pressing on and going to the next campsite. And I just remember saying, I just think we need to make it to Temperance and just stop there for the night we'll talk to the ranger at the state park see if they can squeeze us in and uh, that's where we stopped for the day was temperance river state park so what happened um to get you off the trail though at that point yeah so we originally planned on just stopping and then my sister just she felt terrible but she she finally told me how bad she was really feeling and she said she didn't think she could could keep going on. And her ankle really looked terrible. And we also looked at the forecast and saw that we had at least a week of rain coming our way. And we were getting ready to go into a more remote section that was harder to, a harder section of the trail to get off of. And so we just mutually decided, you know, we did 100 miles. We gave it our best shot. This is where we're going to end. And at that moment, I just... My sister felt so bad, but I also, I remember feeling a little bit relieved, like I was disappointed, but I also felt like it's okay. You know, Mm -hmm. we can go home. I called my oldest son. He was 18 at the time. And in the morning he drove the four hours from home up north to come rescue his mom and aunt. (laughs) So you got home and then you know what happened did you 
kind of say, okay, um, someday I'll finish the rest. Do you know, just did you even think about it? Did you take some time just to decompress? You know, I tried. I wasn't very good at listening. Looking back, I wasn't very good at listening to my body and taking care of myself when I was on the trail. I just kept plugging along, you know, but I knew when I got home, you know, I soaked my feet. I still had blisters and I had threaded my blisters and I had toenails doing funny things and all kinds of stuff. And I, I just tried to take a weekend to take care of myself, to just rest, to relax. And I didn't start, I didn't really start feeling bad until after I got home. And I've had some time to think about that. It was really annoying at the time. But, you know, I, I developed a, a pain in my IT band, then a pain in my shoulder. And, you know, I had about six weeks of pain traveling throughout my body. And so I, my mind was telling me, you got to get back on the trail. You know, it's, it's fall. You've still got time. You could finish it this year. I was talking to friends like, hey, do you want to hike with me? And in my brain, I just thought, I'm going to go back up to Temperance River where we left off and I'm just going to start hiking south and we can do this. But my body was telling me something completely different. My body had started hurting in spots that didn't hurt when I was on the trail. And I think part of it, part of it was that I think I just kind of toasted it that last day and I hadn't been taking care of myself for days on end. But part of it was also, I didn't realize it at the time, just the manifestation of just the, the emotional just disappointment of not meeting my goal and feeling like I not ever have a chance to do this again. And I might not finish and I might not, you know, just realizing that it was over and that I wanted to finish it, but that that might not ever happen. And so I had a lot of sadness and just kind of unforgiveness. I was sort of mad at myself and mad at other people and just kind of, you know, just wrestling with that, which kept me from getting back on the trail. So how long did that go on? That lasted about six weeks. You know, I went back to work on the Monday. I, I, I rested for two days and decided that was long enough, went to work, tried to ignore all the things that were going on. And I struggled for about six weeks and then finally that started to lift off. So I would say probably in December, I started really to feel better. And what do you think, what do you think um, helped or, or how do you think that that lifted? Well, it was combined. So I think, I think there was a physical component to this, you know, of just kind of blasting my body and one thing would hurt and then the other thing would hurt and et cetera. But I think there was an emotional and spiritual component as well. So talking to a trusted friend about this and telling her that just how bad I really felt. And it was a friend at church and she prayed with me and just listened to me and really just really helped me process what I had actually just done. You know, so many people had just said, wow, you just hiked 100 miles. That's so awesome. You know, but like really just helping me process that and then praying for me when I was feeling really low and helping me realize how 
bad or how sad I was feeling. She kind of allowed me, being with her allowed me to really be honest about that feeling when I had been keeping my chin up and, you know, I, I felt like I didn't have any, this is what's interesting to me is I felt like I had nothing to be sad about. I had nothing to be disappointed about. Everybody I talked to said how much of an accomplishment that was, but I still felt sad. I still felt disappointed. I still felt all those things. And so allowing yourself to feel all of that gave you, you know, that opportunity to, to bring some closure, like you said, in processing and kind of understanding why all of this was, was happening. Yeah, I think, I think it broke it. Once I finally acknowledged, once I finally acknowledged the physical toll that had taken and the emotional toll, and even if it was all self-inflicted, you know, it's still acknowledging that really helped me move forward. What led you to get back onto the um, Superior Hiking Trail? Well, I never stopped thinking about it. And, you know, I was thought I was being pretty sly thinking, Oh, I'm going to be on the trail in October. And I had all these, I would, I was just thinking about it all the time. I even thought I kind of laugh when I look back on it now, but I was even thinking, Oh, I'm going to snowshoe a section of it in February. And then I'm going to go in March when the snow melts and spring just took a long time to come last year. It when we had winter for a long time and those trails were closed, they were inaccessible. So all these ideas I had were one by one just kind of dissolving. And I had some friends who call their group the Blister Sisters. So the Blister Sisters, which is a group of friends that have gone on a couple of backpacking trips together, they were planning on doing a trip on the Superior Hiking Trail in the middle of May. And I basically invited myself. (laughs) I asked them, can I go with you guys? And they were planning on doing less miles than, you know, I had hoped. And, but, but a couple of my friends in that group had said, well, what if we hike a couple of extra days with you? And then you could do the whole purple map. You could do a whole section. And this is where I should say that the Superior Hiking Trail is broken into six sections. And each section has a map. And each map is a color. So there are six colors. And I had never really, I have all these maps, but I hadn't really thought about this trail in sections. I had only thought of it as a 310-mile hike. Mm, So you had to change your whole outlook on what the trail was. I did. And all this time that I had been thinking about finishing it, my brain just assumed, well, of course, you'll just start at Temperance River where you got off and you'll just hike south because it's a 310 mile trail. And my friends were so encouraging and so amazing and just so welcoming that I just felt like that was a really good way to get back on the trail. And I had a lot of doubts. I had just funny thoughts like what if I forgot how to hike or what if this irrational irrational um self-doubts and I knew that these women would be a really great group to go with and so it was my friend Nancy who had said well what if you did the whole purple map and that was what got my brain thinking oh like I can divide this and I guess sort of divide and conquer, but I can look at this trail differently than I have before. And so we did set out in mid-May to hike the purple map. 
And so you completed the purple map. Uh-huh. And then it was like, okay, you had the purple done. And what was the original one you and your sister did? Did you do a full map or part of a map? We did do, uh, we did the, the burgundy map and the green map. So that took us to Temperance River. There might be a couple miles in between there, but pretty close to those two full maps. It might have been just a little over those two. And so then as we were preparing and training together, because we went on practice hikes and training hikes together, and I had my brain kind of wrapped around the purple map, I started to think about the trail differently and started to look at what was available based on the seasonality. <laughs> so it was still spring. We still found snow in May on the purple map. And so I, before we even hit the trail on the purple map, I had started thinking about the brown map, which is the, the 50 to 60 miles south of the purple map. So from north of Duluth to a town called Two Harbors. So while I was hiking with the Blister Sisters, I had already roped in a friend to join me a week and a half later on the brown map. And which is kind of funny. I'd never done anything like that where I get ready to go on a backpacking trip. I go on the backpacking trip for three or four days and then I come home for a week, week and a half. Then I pack up again. I mean, I have a family and a full-time job and all things and okay, I'm going to go out again. And it was Memorial day weekend. And my friend Jessica, who I like to call prank because she's hilarious and she likes to prank people. She had never been backpacking before, but she's tough as nails. And she decided that she'd be in for trying this um, 60 mile hike as her first backpacking trip. And how did it go? <laughs> it went great. It went so great. Uh, you know, I say it went great because we just had a lot of fun together. It was it was pretty, the, the conditions were really difficult. It was, I'm not, I'm not exaggerating when I say that the majority of the trail that time of year was uh, ankle deep, sometimes shin deep mud. Oh. And so we slogged a lot and had wet feet and walked through water, walked through puddles. And it, you know, it's a section that a lot of people skip or complain about on the Superior Hiking Trail just because of the conditions. So I hear people say that it's not as scenic as other areas, but it did have its own beauty. And it it just felt really good to share that section of the trail with someone who is, was as funny and positive as Prank is, even though her feet were just totally messed up and we had really long days uh, she was a trooper. Because you did it in three days? How, how? Yeah, we did it in three days. And we, and, and part of that was because of the, it was mostly flat. There are some hills, but it's, it's one of the flatter, it's the flattest section of the trail. So we knew that we could have longer mile days. So by this time, you're kind of seeing the trail differently because you're not thinking of it as you know one continuous hike and you know you've yeah. broken it up you've did uh the purple section with the blister sisters and then um you and prank did it and you know did the brown and mm -hmm. so after that were you like on a roll did you want to say okay no next section what what did you do next yeah so a week later <laughs> i came home and uh and my ankles were really stiff and I actually injured one 
on the brown map because, you know, ankle twisting mud. So I had a little bit of a, just a minor uh, ankle twist. And, but my plan was to tackle the blue map, which is the section south of the brown map. So that goes from the Wisconsin border up to Duluth. And so I had asked my friend Pam, who was part of the the Blister Sister crew, if she would join me on that hike. And knowing that I had another friend that offered to accommodate us at night because there really aren't a lot of backpacking options. There are a couple, but there aren't a lot of backpacking options on that section of the trail. So it's another section that, that sometimes people skip or they they end their through hike um, after the brown map just because uh, it's kind of tough to find a spot to stay. So I knew that a week later I had to hurry up and let my ankle heal. And this is a, an, a section of the trail with a lot of elevation. There's a lot of up and down. I think because it goes for a small portion through the city of Duluth, people assume that it's maybe not as difficult, but it's a tough section of the trail or, or challenging enough. And so Pam and I, started we intentionally did not start at the southern terminus because I told her I wanted to save that last little part for the end because I had started at the northern terminus and it's also an out and back hike so we started uh just outside of that the end of the trail and we hiked north so you know the rest of this trail I had hiked south and this was the first time I was northbound the whole trail had been done um, southbound minus a chunk in the middle. So we had done the first two sections and then these kind of lower two sections. And now I was at the the bottom section, the blue map. And Pam and I hiked through Jay Cook State Park. We hiked through beautiful parks through the city uh, leading up to the city of Duluth, Ely's Peak. And we just saw such beautiful scenery. I saw my first yellow lady slipper. We saw just Jurassic Park sized ferns and just beautiful scenery. I love that section of the trail. And what was great was that we just packed our 10 essentials and a tarp because it is still pretty remote down there, you know, just in case we got stuck overnight or something, but we didn't have heavy backpacks on. So we could do a little longer miles and it just, it just felt really enjoyable. You know, when I was on the trail with prank, we had a lot of fun and we laughed despite some pretty tough conditions, mostly mud. But when Pam and I were on the trail, we literally had a lightness because we were not carrying big, heavy Mm -hmm. backpacks. And it was like a really fun, long day hike. So we did that section together in two days. And then my favorite section of the whole trail really caught me by surprise. I thought that, or I should say my favorite day on the trail it still kind of surprises me was the only day that I hiked alone. It was the third day of the blue map and Pam had to go home. And I, my friend Kim had been driving us to the trailhead and I was prepared to hike between 20 and 26 miles alone in one day over hills and, um, through city parks. And I, I sort of thought that I wouldn't enjoy that because I say all the time that everything's fun with people, you know, and I love hiking with people. But I remember that morning when Kim, who I call my trail mom, 
she dropped me off alone at the trailhead. She made me breakfast. She dropped me off alone at the trailhead and waved goodbye. I felt like I was being dropped off on my first day of school because I had never hiked like a whole day alone um, like that. Yeah, so this was your first <laughs> time on the yeah, trail by yourself. Oh, and it was early as seven o'clock in the morning. She dropped me off and I started heading north and I loved it. I sang to myself. (laughs) I stopped whenever I wanted to. I hiked fast when I wanted to. I stopped and climbed a historic tower for no good reason. I could, I probably should have hiked past it, but I hiked Anger Tower which overlooks Lake Superior. And then I came down the tower and I rang the bell in a Japanese garden. And then I I, like, I felt like I was on an adventure. I got lost and I crossed the street with a bunch of preschoolers. <laughs> it's just fun. Like, <laughs> these little kids, are you a hiker? Yes, I am. And I'm lost. And I crossed the street with them and I went down and got an ice cream cone in Duluth um, and ate it on the shore of Lake Superior. And then I hiked back up the hill and, and I just had this wonderful day by myself and I didn't feel afraid and I didn't feel lonely and I just did whatever I wanted to. And the only time I ever felt anxious was when I looked at my watch and realized that my husband was going to be at the trail in one hour. And how and far I had away were you? <laughs> yeah, I was about three miles away. And luckily, it was pretty flat on that section. I wasn't sure if that section was um, hilly or flat. I, I just had forgotten, but I was able to hoof it and make it there in time. But, you know, it's funny. People, people get very serious, especially I've noticed um, trail runners about tracking miles and documenting your miles. And at this point on the trail, I'd sort of let some of those tracking of miles go, you know, who cares as long as I made it from point A to point B. Yeah. But that day I looked at my, my iPhone and whatever miles it had tracked that day. And It said, you can argue whether that's accurate or not. I don't know if it is, but it's significant because on that day, it said that I hiked 26 miles and it was my 26th wedding anniversary and my husband met me at the end of the trailhead. How cool is that? Yeah. And how cool was, and he, like, you guys went out to eat. What did you guys do after? Yeah, we hung out and we started a vacation up north and like we just we had a great couple of days following, um, you know, without any giant hiking plans and just enjoyed the North Shore of Minnesota uh, after after that day. So, yeah. So, I mean, so he has to be pretty supportive of your he's totally supportive. I I won't say he understands it because he's not outdoorsy at all. But he supports me, you know, he knows how much I love it. And so he, he absolutely um, is behind me. He knows that it's something, it's my, it's something that I really enjoy. So you completed all of the, um, the blue at that point, except the terminus? Yes. So that was um, done in three days. And then I decided to just take the summer off, you know, for a variety of reasons. I decided I didn't want to hike in the heat. I'd been gone from work a lot, gone from home a lot. And I get, you know, uh, this thing called hiker's rash, which is like a heat rash on your legs if you hike too long of a distance in the heat. And I just decided it was okay to just have a summer and not 
and not be uh, going up to the Superior Hiking Trail. Because remember, it's it's between at minimum two and a half hours to four hours of a drive from my house. Yeah, so it takes some time to get up there. And also, I realized that the section that I had left, which was the Teal Map, which is from a place called Tedaguch to Temperance River, is also notoriously, or it's 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 known as one of the most beautiful sections of the Superior Hiking Trail, especially in the fall. Ah. Yes, and I should say, back when the Purple Map plan was being hatched by the Blister Sisters, there was another group of hiking women. So I hang out with all kinds of groups. I you know, primarily women who hike, but there's another group in Hudson, Wisconsin called Thrive Outdoor Women's Adventures. I hang out with them too. And, and they had started talking a few months prior earlier in the year about, about doing a superior hiking trail hike. And it was going to be less miles than I needed. But back when, you know, the purple map kind of unlocked my thinking of the superior hiking trail. And then this trip started, uh, the, the fall trip started to, to, be discussed and then and then Jessica wanted to go on hike the brown map with me and and it all started to to sort of piece together in a way that I never could have planned you know my my brain had thought for a long time that you just do this thing in one shot and you do it from north to south and then you're done (laughs) not breaking it into chunks or or going north one time and south Mm -hmm. another time and um and so I knew that that would be a fun way to end the trip. I knew that the group of women that I would be hiking with would be um, just a lot of fun to hang out with and that the trail would be beautiful that time of year. And so, again, something kind of unexpected happened. I had been planning on hiking the teal map with uh, the, the Thrive ladies and I needed to hike maybe 20 miles longer mm-hmm. than their trip had planned. And so I, I, I told myself, you know, Jen, you know, you, you can do that alone. You know, you managed to hike through Duluth. You're not going to die if you go hike alone. And even though you might not enjoy being solo, you can do it, you know. And so I kind of thought maybe that's how I'm supposed to end this is a couple of days alone and then meeting with the group. And then I asked um, – I asked another friend and it didn't work out. And then another friend who ended up, she's a gal that I hike with. She just, she was uh, planning to through hike the entire superior hiking trail. And, and I gave her, you know, my encouragement and we talked about it before she went on a trip and it was around this time. I think she had gone up there end of August and she had started at the Northern terminus and she was hiking South and she had a really similar experience that my sister and I had had at, Temperance River State Park at 100 miles, she came off the trail and um, just do, I think, kind of to loneliness and just feeling like she didn't want to be solo on the trail anymore. And I remember talking to her and saying, like, hey, you know, you get to make your own finish line and you're awesome. And look, you did 100 miles. And you're just like really trying to encourage her, but totally understanding how that felt. And so I gave her a couple of days before I bugged her, but I, I did call her and say, Hey, do you want to pick up at Temperance River where you left off and where I left off? And what'd she say? 
she said, let me think about it. (laughs) And then, and then she said, yes. And so, you know, I just, I think about how that all came together, how, how that helped me out, but then how it it helped her and how somebody, how could I have known a year earlier that I would meet somebody who had had just an experience so similar to mine and that we would be hitting the trail together almost exactly a year after my sister and I had come off the trail. And your experiences were going to help her, uh, you know, yeah. continue on and push forward. Right. Yeah. Right. So I did rope another friend in and the three of us hit the trail together and um, we immediately just hit it off. We hadn't, I'd been backpacking with Angie once before she was part of the blister sister crew. And then Andrea was my new friend that had just come off the trail recently. And we had a couple of days together and we hiked in rain and, you know, we had a monsoon. We actually came off the trail for one night because it was so, so intense. There were three inches of rain fell and we ended up coming off the trail that night and going back on the next day just to avoid that. And what I think is interesting about that is that right away, the three of us just didn't really worry about miles or feel like we had anything to prove. We all had decided that if the weather gets bad, we're going to get off the trail and we're okay with that. And we all just felt like we didn't feel like we were cheating. We didn't feel like, you know, I don't know. I don't know if that makes sense. Well, but I, no, I think I, it does. I think you, I, you weren't holding yourself to someone else's, you know, vision of what the hike should be like. Yeah. And I realized on, I think some of that started to peel off for me on the brown map. And then it really peeled off when that day, especially that I was alone, just literally having fun hiking by myself, doing whatever I wanted to. And then when the three of us hit the trail and just decided like, ah, we'll just camp wherever we want and we'll go as far as we want. We won't worry about it. It it was just a a different way of thinking about it. And how did you end your hike? I mean, did you end it at the terminus? Like what did you decide to do to end it or, or did it end the way you thought it was going to end? It didn't. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so I started with these, these two gals and then we met up with, um, what, who I called the thrive five. Yes. Some of the, so there was a, technically a group of eight of us, but the three of us mostly stayed together. And then we, we would camp with the thrive five at night. And so we hiked that whole teal section together. And then I was planning on hiking the very Southern terminus alone. I thought, well, this is it. This is where I'm going to hike alone and I can do it. And it's going to be great. Right. And those two gals, Andrea and Angie, they said, well, we want to hike with you all the way to the end. And so they ended up joining me. And logistically, none of these sections, I mean, are really right next to each other. So we were way up in the middle section. The teal section is literally like the middle chunk of the trail. And so we, to answer your question, how we did it. So we finished the teal section and then we got in the car and we drove probably about maybe an hour south (laughs) so we drove south of Duluth and we we drove all the way to the bottom of the trail and then we the three of us um 
hit the trail and we walked. It's about a, I think it's a four mile out and back hike. So you hike about two miles in, you see the sign, you know, in the end, and then you hike two miles back. And so I didn't have to do it alone, even though I was prepared to do so. But it just, it was so wonderful to have these gals with me that had just been so fun to share the experience with. When you actually reached the end, like, did you let it sink in? Did you, you know, take a moment? Was it anticlimactic? Like, how how was all of that? (laughs) (laughs) I, I had thought about what that would be like a few times, you know, before. And then I sort of decided not, if this makes sense, not to have anything rehearsed. (laughs) You know, I was like, Jen, okay, put that aside. Just do whatever whatever's going to happen is going to happen when you get there and maybe nothing will happen, you know, and that's okay. And so we all got to the end. I saw the sign and I remember saying, Oh, there's a sign. And just, just feeling emotional and tearing up a little bit, but not, you know, like kneeling on the ground and having some like collapsing with relief or, but I just felt really thankful and really happy. And, and it just was really cool to see, you know, there's there's a big arch you walk under and one side says Minnesota and the other side says Wisconsin. And I remember like crossing that threshold and feeling like that was actually more powerful to me than seeing the sign on the tree that said Southern Terminus. You know, that that's cool. But for some reason, crossing and putting my feet into Wisconsin felt powerful and it felt like, wow. I did walk a long way (laughs) and, and I remember, you know, chatting with the gals and signing the register and I just kind of goofing around and just enjoying the moment. And then I asked them if they would leave and if they would just let me be alone for a couple of minutes, which is not like me at all, but I just thought, I just want to be here alone to see how I feel. And I just, I just let myself feel that experience without anybody watching, without anybody being, you know, just, and it just felt really good and really peaceful. And it was pretty short. It didn't take long. (laughs) Were you also thinking about your dad? um, Yes. At that point too? Yes. I forgot to mention that I was on the trail, um, So our last day on the trail was my dad's birthday when my sister and I came off trail and I had been hiking during his birthday or on the trail during his birthday. And yeah, I was thinking about a lot about how I had originally set out to do this hike when I was 47 years old and how then I changed it to 46 years old. And then here I was standing at the Southern Terminus literally the day after my sister and I came off the, off the trail one year later when I was 47 years old. Maybe it was supposed to be like that all along. That's what I thought. I just thought I could not have planned this myself if I tried. I, I think, you know, this year of just saying yes and being open and, and tagging on to other things and including people. And I, I hiked with people on their first backpacking trip. I hiked with people who were 
very experienced. I, you know, what I thought about was, it's very mathematical, but I kept running these numbers through my head. I kept thinking like, this was supposed to just be two women doing this 310 miles. And here I am at the end and there's been at least 20 women. 20 other and, women. Yeah. And a few men that have just really come alongside to, to help me achieve this goal, you know, and to, or just be friends or just come alongside of me. And, and the community, like I was really moved by that, that thought that this turned into something way different than I planned and way more than I could have ever expected. And for what it's worth, I, I feel like, you know, well, I won't even say how proud my dad would be of that because I feel like he would be, but I felt really proud of myself and I felt really thankful to have people who would do something like that with me. And I immediately shut down any thought that told me that, you know, like, oh, real hikers, you know, they're, they're solo hikers and they, you know, they do, you, you know, you should have done this yourself or you could have done this yourself. Cause there were some of those thoughts that came into my mind, like, like what kind of person has to have 20 people go hiking with them to make 300 miles happen? You know, like, well, I think that... it became more than just, you know, your hike. And that, that was also a lesson I feel that was learned out of this. It was, yeah. you know, the community and how you built yeah. it and, it became a community hike. It really did. Mm-hmm. So and yeah, I was gonna ask you like, what did you take away from it? But it was really like, what did you give? I mean, when I think about it, I think of all what the experiences that you got, but you also gave a lot to these other hikers that were along with you and your friends. Yeah. Wow. I'm tearing up right now Aww. thinking about that because, you know, Powerful. like even though I just think about our conversation right now, even though I just said moments ago that this was really the first thing I ever did for myself, you know, that this was the biggest mm-hmm. goal I'd set and that I finally, I wasn't doing it for Boy Scouts. I wasn't doing it for children's cancer. I was doing it for myself, but in the end, it ended up being something that I still did it for myself, but I got to be part of it with a lot of really amazing people. Yeah, that's that's an incredible story. I mean, that's definitely, it's not what you expected at all. No, no. And um, did your sister ever get back out on the trail with you during unfortunately she ended up breaking her foot in a non-hiking related Uh. injury and she has been in a boot for months and as much as we would love I would love to have had her like finish the end you know she is literally nursing a um, pretty tough ankle injury right now and so she was not able to but you know, as I think as cool as that would have been, it's also just so interesting how it all just unfolded. Yeah. I mean, if she wouldn't have gotten stung, <laughs> yeah. it would have, you know, happened maybe a whole different way. I know. And yeah, and I'm just, again, blown away mm-hmm. by the 
you know, you say that, that I've given to people, but I really feel like people have given me more than I've given them. And I just really appreciate the encouragement, companionship, camaraderie, rides to and from, all the, <laughs> all the things that made this happen. And when, I don't know, when the side of me starts to, to say things like, oh, Jen, it's only 300 miles. There's people who hike the AT and the PCT and the CDT and the... <laughs> Elemental P, like all these enormous hikes, you know, this is, this is just as huge to me. And I just really appreciate how it turned out. And I think it will lead to other adventures for me. So definitely other adventures. I can see that, that being part, you're not, you're not going to stop. So, but what about other women out there who might also kind of be where you were at of, you know, wondering, wanting to start, wanting to do a long distance hike, not knowing, you know, if they are competent enough, what, if they should mm-hmm. do it, what advice would you give them? You know, um, this is not a sponsored comment, but I will say, I forgot mm-hmm. to talk about the 52 hike challenge. That's actually what came up before I joined women who hike. Um, and what that is, is just, a commitment to yourself to hike 52 times in one year. And I tell a lot of people about that um, challenge because I think that is a way, if you get into logistics, like how do you train yourself or build a discipline or a habit of hiking? That's an incredible way to do it. I've done it for three years in a row and I, I'm well over 52 hikes just in this year and I think it's a way to build frequency and confidence and accountability. And accountability, absolutely. And it can a hike can be anything. It can be one miles, it can be ten miles. It's up to you. Whatever you want a hike to be. And so maybe backing up a little bit, but my my advice or my my thoughts for for women in particular that are looking for ways to get on the trail, I would say just start with something small, start with what you're comfortable with, and then find your community, whether it's through some of the organizations that I've mentioned already, or whether it's just having a buddy, find someone that likes to do what you like to do. And I mean, you can do it alone too, but I think having people joining you is really powerful and makes it more fun. And then don't be afraid to dream. So I think that's something that was really hard for me to do. And especially when our kids were little, I think so much of my life, and I don't regret that at all, but I think so much of my life and my energy was dedicated to raising children and making sure that they were being cared for and not really caring for myself. So if you have a dream, if you have a thing that that you can't stop thinking about, you know, you have just kind of press into that, you know, allow yourself. Yeah, give yourself permission. Yeah. And don't, don't let people or society, you know, I think of those people who, who told me that, that bears and women don't mix, you know, or thinking about the people who, who may intentionally be trying to squash your dream or unintentionally, you know, maybe it's a, a friend or a family member or someone who says, well, how are you going to do that? How are you going to be gone so long? Or how do you just really look at, I think, 
what you want and if there's a way you can make it happen. Um, now, did you journal or write about your hiking? Did, is there, um, did you document it at, at all? Yeah, I wrote a little bit on the trail, uh, but I mostly wrote on my blog. I have a blog that really chronicles this whole experience. So I remember the post when I wrote, I sort of wanted to mark, <laughs> as funny as it sounds, like in my own history, the day that I decided I was going to hike the Superior Hiking Trail. And I wrote a post that day to document that moment. And so I, ha and I feel really fortunate that I have that. Like I can look back and remember like the day I decided I was going to hike the Superior Hiking Trail. And then all the things that I did to lead up to it. I wrote about how I made my food, how I sewed a, my own backpack and some of the things that I did wrong. And you know, just my journey. Well, where can people go to read it? Because I know that's, you know, people are going to want to, to kind of delve in as they've listened to your, to your story. Yeah, of course. So you can go to wanderingpine.com, wandering as in wandering around, pine as in the tree. That is the name of my blog. And then I'm also on Instagram at wandering.pine. Jen, thank you so much for sharing your story um, with me. I can't wait to see what's next for you <laughs> and what you're up to. Um, do you have, I mean, you, you talked about kind of going into the winter sports too, you snowshoe and things. So what's, yeah. what's on the plate for the fall for you here and for the winter? Yeah, so this year I... Well, I talked about the 52 hike challenge and I just decided in the last week that I wanted to double that this year. <laughs> okay. So what are you at right now? I'm at, today I hiked, um, hike 78 of the year. Okay. So because I don't have a really big plan yet, I just sort of just asked myself like, oh, could I hike twice a week and end the year with 104 hikes? So I think I'm going to do that. And, um, Another motivation for me is that I'm something called a groundskeeper. And so I'm part of a group of humans that have pledged to clean up, uh, clean up trails and public lands every time they go out. So oh, yeah. that's something that. I'm also, yeah. So that's something else I'm also doing. I've picked up about 350 pounds of trash since the snow melted. And I was cleaning up the Mississippi River today after church. So that's another motivation for me to just keep hitting the trail and keep being active, keep being in nature. And so I plan on doing a lot of hiking this fall and snowshoeing in the winter. And then I've got a couple of ideas for next summer, but nothing official yet. All right. So when they do become official, I'll be looking yeah. forward to hearing about it. <laughs> All right. So I want to thank you listeners for joining me and Jen on this amazing conversation that we've had. If you want to know more about what Jen is up to, you can go to her blog, wanderingpine.com. And of course, you can follow her on Instagram at wandering.pine. And as always, I'll put links in the show notes. So if you're enjoying what you've been hearing in season one, if you're a new listener or if you've been along for the journey, 
please subscribe. Please also consider leaving me a five-star review on iTunes so that others can find the podcast and share it out with your friends and fellow hikers. You can follow me on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at The Hike Podcast. And please drop me a line. I love to hear from listeners and want to hear your suggestions. Next week is my final episode of season one. Be on the lookout for an Instagram giveaway. And I'm also going to be putting out a survey to listeners so that you can tell me your ideas for what you'd like to hear in season two. Until next time, see you on the trail. Thank you.